Hi, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud. This is Mariana. And Elizabeth. Hi. Hey. So how's the snow? I'm so excited. We didn't think we were going to get to record. Oh, that, yeah. Well, but yeah, that was because of schedules. How's the snow? Well, see, okay, so I was supposed to go to a retreat, and I did go, actually. I went to a (laughs) retreat in the upstate, which is getting hammered. Yeah. And it has nice, beautiful, fluffy snow right now, and we have freezing rain. Ooh, that's not fun. No. And then the girls in Asheville have eight inches of fluffy, wow. beautiful snow. And we oh have gosh. freezing rain. Good old Which Columbia. causes more damage, you know. Yes, because of the dang ice. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. I remember living in the south in ice storms. Californians have no idea. Nope. But no we don't have any idea about um, forest fires. Or earthquakes. Yeah. Well, well we do you get do. some every once in a while in Columbia. Yeah. yeah. I've but experienced yeah, too, so. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we're doing. Uh, right, so I was in the upstate, and so we got up, and the retreat got canceled, and so we had to hustle on back home before things got too dicey up there. Because yeah. we have, when I say we have freezing rain, it's mostly rain with a little bit of frozen stuff in it. So yeah. I don't know if we'll get into trouble unless the temperature really drops tonight and then everything that's fallen today will freeze up and then that'll be bad. But <clears throat> everything's supposed to clear up by tomorrow afternoon. Well, that's not bad. But Ben Good and I got works. home making uh, Sam and Willie in particular apparently was very worried about us. Oh, so. he's got that sixth sense he's like yeah he's a nanny pup out there (laughs) yes somewhere out there sam said he just waited by the door last night and he was pacing all night long going to check so are they coming home are they coming home so when we leave town or something in the schedule changes like we have to sit willie down and tell him yeah okay we're gonna be gone two nights (laughs) but we'll be back and, and usually that does okay, but he was not okay with it this time. Well, because you have the new little guy. His baby. Yeah, his yeah. baby. <laughs> he hasn't figured that out yet. Like how you guys can take care of the baby without him. It's just. Uh, I know, right? It's it's serious. <laughs> That's so so I, I, what do you want to talk about since we didn't really have a, a plan for this week? Did we say that we were going to talk about something this week, last week? Yeah, there were a couple of things we were going to discuss, and one of them had to do with um, the use of the word said, and then I like that one. something else, too, that we were, like, on a mission with, but... um, Oh, that e-book article? Uh, No, I think that came up this week, but we can talk about that, too. (laughs) Well, well, let's start about... Yeah. Yeah, what, what you what you're what you're saying right now? Yeah, well, I was gonna say let's start with the word said. Mm-hmm. We can segue into other things because I and see, I think you sent me the article, right? Where where did yeah. you find it? Um, well, it came up in my Facebook feed. Um, it was like a one of those things where it shows you, you know, so and so people like Amazon.com, and Amazon.com had an article about. Um, using the word said or overusing the word said, as they called it, um, in their title. And and technically, that was a little clickbaity and misleading because they don't think you can overuse the word said. And 
that is what I'm going to end up arguing as well. You cannot overuse the word said. Please don't think you can ever overuse the word said. To a certain point, there's like a caveat with that. But um, but yeah, so like I have been so irritated actually by like when I go on a Pinterest and, you know, you follow some of those different like writing advice groups or whatever, and they'll have like a chart of all the words you can use instead of using the word said. And I got to tell you right now, writers, stop it. <laughs> Don't do it. Stop. <laughs> because if you, by replacing the word said with these other tags, we'll call them, you're, you're not being as clever as you think you are. And in fact, you are, um, you're really being like very in your face to your reader. Um, uh, clunky, saying, I would call it. Yes. And, and it seems like it would be the creative thing to do to use all of these other words instead of the word said. But okay. So let's, let's talk about some of those though. What are some of those that people say that you should say? Oh, let me, let me pull up a list here. Um, I'm going to go to my Pinterest account and see if I can find one of those because they're popping up all the time. Um, and then we can And these are it. these are not often done by people who are in the industry. Right. Would you say? Uh there if you read things not by editors are, at least. Yeah, a lot of times it ends up being the indie authors and self-published authors that that use these words um and not people that are in the industry. And the thing is that if you read books that are really well written and that you connect with and you are like, oh, this is just great writing and I'm so immersed in it and I'm really enjoying it. If you like were to do a search on the word said in those texts, you'd find it's used a lot more than you would imagine. And I think like that's actually the problem that a lot of writers are having is that they'll use like some kind of um, analytic to, to see what are their most used words when they're writing something, because that can be problematic. If you're using words over and over and over again, um, it, can, it can be redundant. It can seem redundant. Um, and so as a general rule, you do want to look out for that and you want to vary your vocabulary and like within the, the scope of being natural. Um, but, but said is the exception to the rule when you're writing dialogue. Um, and I'm not finding one of these things probably because every time I see them, I scoff at them and like, you don't say them. them. Right. So um, I'm going to have to do a different kind of search, but let's, let's. Um, okay. So, here I found one. Okay, good. Thank she you. announced, stated, right. commanded, explained, explained. I, I don't, that doesn't bother me. No. Well, there are some that are like more. Muttered, um, contradicted, assured, expressed, echoed. Intoned. Okay, that one's just real bad. <laughs> exactly. So the so the problem that people should understand that I have with 
these kind of dialogue tags is that they are they're forcing your reader to acknowledge a tone that you want the dialogue to have that you should be expressing through the dialogue and not through the tag you know what i'm saying does that make sense yeah and i think in in a lot of cases um what I really like and I think is effective writing and shows that your dialogue is quick is if you don't need any tag at all, because there's a natural rhythm to the conversation. So people can tell which character is saying what. Right. Well, and, and then like, if you're trying to convey an emotion like screamed or um, like whimpered or, you know, other things like that, if you were to use a beat of action instead of a dialogue tag, that is going to give the reader a more accurate picture of the scene in general. So or, like they like, you know, if it's whimpering, you know, they could say something and then like put their head head on their hands or um, or like sink down into a chair or, you know, something that's more um, that's more immersive that way. That's not because using those dialogue tags, it drags you out of the story and you're like, oh, oh, they used this word to describe that line of dialogue, which means you like, you know, it's too many steps to get to the emotion that you're trying to convey. Right. And so the classic uh, writing advice is show, don't tell. And you can show that kind of an emotion by saying, uh, she said her face turning red or, you know, something like that, that shows, oh, she's getting upset about something or use that at the beginning before the words come or, like you, you know, describe the action that the character's doing because so much of our communication is nonverbal that when you're writing that, you need to write some of those cues that you naturally get when you're in dialogue with someone. Right. Well, and if you, um, if you think that said is like overused or whatever, it's really, it's really not like it's, it's almost entirely invisible. Like think about the last exactly. book that you read yeah. and the dialogue that you went through in that. Um, and think about how many times you stopped and said to yourself, oh, they used the word said here. But if they change the word to something that's more creative, and I'm using air quotes here, then it is more likely that your reader is going to stop and say, oh, they used this word here. And that's the last thing you want is for your reader to stop reading the dialogue to consider the word that you used. You want them to keep reading the story. You want yes, them not or to be drawn out in any way. if you want that dialogue to stop, then use one of those. If you don't, don't. <laughs> exactly. But don't. But you know, don't just vary it for the sake of variant. Varying it, vary it when you intend to change the dialogue or stop the reader, because that's what it does. And you're exactly right. That is so. We're all so used to it that it doesn't impede the reading process at all. And these right. other words that we think mean the same thing as said. Now, I'm not talking about something that doesn't mean the same thing as said. I'm talking about substituting something that means the same thing just for the sake of doing that. Right, exactly, because you think it will be more colorful. And again, it kind of, it points to your dialogue being not strong enough if you have to use a word to, like, push people in the direction of, how it's supposed to be said or the tone that is supposed to be used. Um, so that's the other thing that like really bugs me is when people are like, 
they they will give a line of dialogue and then say she said in a sarcastic tone you're like no don't don't do that just please don't do that don't tell me the tone that the, the line is supposed to be in because your scene should convey that like we should know your character well enough to know that they're being sarcastic Exactly. And I think that's the other thing is the way you write the dialogue can communicate a lot about tone. I mean, we do this in text messages all the time. You know, you get the tone of the person by the words they choose to write. Right. And we don't have to say, uh, I say expectantly, you know, you don't have to say that, but I I do start doing that now. (laughs) Let me say expectantly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it's the same kind of thing, um, like using a different word for said that much. It's the same kind of thing as overusing adverbs, right? Like just because the word doesn't have an L-Y at the end of it doesn't mean that it's technically not an adverb there. It's, it's, it's still augmenting that action that is just that generic action of said. Well, and I will say, I think teachers are, are a lot to blame for this because there's so many uh, writing lessons and many lessons that have to do with teaching your kids not to use the word said. In fact, I was just doing a little search through some of my teacher materials and, uh, I found a cute little printable that says said is dead and to not use it with a big X sign over said, try these words instead of said, cause said is dead. Yeah. That's that, that kind of stuff is, I'm telling you, it drives me crazy. Well, and that what you, um, I mean, that's what I'm finding as a lot of this is teacher materials that are, that are doing that. So some way it could be that something in your head when you begin as a writer is telling you that not to use the word said, because you've had a writing teacher sometime in your life and in the classroom, who's done a nice cute mini lesson on this, but mm, this is real world. This is not writing for a teacher. So, yeah. And that, I don't know. It kind of worries me as well that teachers would do that anyways. So. Well, and you get that. This one that says, try adding an adverb. No, don't. No. (laughs) I want to like email this person and be like, what are you doing? Stop it right now. Just, just, just stop. Stop trying to help us. (laughs) It's not. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm at least going to call my sister, who's a teacher, and tell her to not do that. I'm thinking and reflecting right here, right now, and hoping desperately that I didn't do that. (laughs) I know I did it with the word. I know I was a writing teacher, too. Um, I know I did it with the word good. Right. Well, and so there are things like that that, yes, you want to change. But said is not one of them. No. Hmm. And the uh, thing is, he said you know, like, evasively, right? I begged repeatedly. <laughs> she blurted excitedly. And and that's the other thing too, right? Is that like you want to um you want to use those words every once in a while when it really enhances what your scene is. Well, and I don't, I don't, yeah, well, and I'll, I'll have to ask you this, like responded, that doesn't cause me to stop, especially Um, if there's a question before. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah. this is this is a funny one, and we'll link all of these in the show so, notes. Mariana, um, sorry, I'm like totally gonna ruin our podcast here, but I think we are breaking up pretty heavily, oh, no. and I'm not sure if that's my fault. You want me to pause it? Um, may maybe I don't know, like, because you know, Sam was saying the. I mean, we can always cut this part out of the middle if we have to. But um, for the past, like, three minutes, it's been going in and out. For me, your your audio has. Uh-oh. Oh, Sam so said that our happens. internet was weak. Yeah. So, okay, so here's this article that's <laughs> – this is really funny. It yeah, says moving on, moving on from said because you know we're done. No, no. It says don't by any means say in a love scene he said cockily. Oh god. That's awesome. <laughs> she said that's terrible. You don't want your readers. She said it's clever, but you don't want your readers laughing in the middle of a passionate love they, scene. Do they you call those um Swifties, right? Swifties? Have you heard of that? Yeah. Swifties. No. Um, what is that? Let me look it up for you. It's because uh, Tom Swift, um, Tom Swift, let me look it up. It's on Instagram here. Tom Swifty. Um, it comes from the series of books that, like, the Tom Swift books started in 1910. And um, so, anyways, a Swifty is a phrase in which a quoted sentence is linked by a pun to the, the manner in which it's attributed. Uh-huh. So that, that's what that whole thing is about. <laughs> that's funny. So, so like, like this one is, I need a pencil sharpener, said Tom bluntly. Yeah. And, uh-huh. There goes my hat, said Tom off the top of his head. Oh, like, that's funny. Yeah. So like that, that is the, that same kind of thing. Swifties. That would also be a Swifty. <laughs> yes. that's funny so all of this to say to say please don't don't make it awkward yeah i mean Mm -hmm. you you totally can but when you get your manuscript back from me it's gonna have a whole bunch of red in it where i change everything back to said and a lot of comments in the margin that say ah (laughs) (laughs) or you're gonna get it back to me and say Okay, this needs a little more work. Work on it. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and so I think there are all of the one at one point we should do um mythbusters for writing. Yes, definitely. We should do a whole show on that. Let's write that down. That can be a goal for 2016 that we remember. Or or maybe that should be our our um episode 100. That sounds good. I like it. That, That week we have three weeks to prepare. Till episode 100. How are, I think our readers may like spontaneously combust if we do that. I know. <laughs> and we have been far in advance. You, I know, right? You and I have been podcasting together for two years. That's crazy. I can't even believe that. <clears throat> and if we're at episode 100, then, you know, 52 and 52 is only 104. So we're pretty close to staying on there. Yeah. To have, on the like, every week thing. On every week. Yeah. It's amazing. Who it's knew? very amazing. <gasps> Who would have thought? Not me. Who I had would no have thought? idea 
no idea two years ago that this is what I would do with my time. Okay, so here, this this segues into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about and ask okay. you about. So I was listening to this other podcast on my trek back through the blizzard, Snowmageddon, if you will, is what it's being called. But every time it snows, it's called Snowmageddon here. Right. So to a show called Quit that's on the 5x5 network, which is a great place for podcasts. And their point on this episode was that you shouldn't switch from your cash cow. You should stay with what you do and what you do well. Uh-huh. Okay, so they use the example of Coke and New Coke. Do you remember this? Yes, I remember Coke and New Coke. <laughs> I don't because it was you were it happened young. in 1985 and I was, you know, not born yet. So <laughs> you were a spring not even a spring chicken. I was close to being born. You know, I was born in the spring of 1985. But apparently, from what I, and chime in here, but Coke sales were declining because Pepsi had arrived on the scene. Right. And it seemed like everybody in these taste tests, at least on the commercials, that people were preferring Pepsi because Pepsi was a bit sweeter. Mm -hmm. So Coke decided that they were going to make a new Coke. And they released a new Coke and did not sell the original Coke anymore right. and it for was what a bomb. it was a major bomb and so for Four three months bombs. this was new coke was coke that was the only coke available yep and people rebelled and said no give us old coke back now there yeah, wasn't social media at that time so people couldn't do it yeah yes and so coke came back but came back as coca-cola classic right which i think actually helps their sales it did. It improved their it's sales like greatly, which also <laughs> which also caused some people to wonder if the Coke marketing did this on purpose. Which is horrible. Why would you ever do that? Like that's a really, really risky thing to do to your your um customer base. But it's always possible. But it reminds me of this. There's this brewery in Asheville, and they release a certain winter beer, and they only make a certain amount of it every year. And once it's gone, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody's like, why don't you make more? Why don't you make more? Well, at the beginning, it was because they only had two, um, oh, what are they called? The big silver things that you make beer in. You know what I mean? Kegs. I guess. Are they, are they called kegs in the brewery? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I've Anyways, they only had two of those that they could do their seasonal beers in. And so once those two were done, that, that batch was done for the year. And they had to use, you know, they had to start making uh, the next seasonal beer. So, you know, it kind of creates this frenzy, especially in Asheville. Right. And, you know... Now they're in this nice big brewery where they have lots of room. And so people are like, are you going to make more? And they decided not to, even though they had the room. You know, it was something right. that was done out of necessity. But now it's like a marketing thing. Well, yeah. I mean, the, like the whole exclusivity thing is a pretty big deal. So. Right. But in the midst of that, it's not like that's the only beer they produce in the winter. You know, they're right. still, they still have their classic beers. So it's a specialty thing. And so right. uh, Dan Benjamin and Hattie were talking about on, on quit. You can't just change your whole menu of services or of what you, of products that you do. And this right. is a show for entrepreneurs, people who have quit their jobs to start something new and exciting 
And his point is you get to a certain point where that business is sustainable. And sometimes people want to just go in a completely different direction. I don't want to do this anymore. Or I need a change. Which is fine, but then you have to start from scratch. Exactly, exactly. So you can't so, expect your, your customer base to follow you. Well, and it would be like you and me um, deciding that we weren't going to do the other stuff that we do in our business and just do a podcast. And right. it was going well because people were listening to us, so let's do it every day for an hour. And then it was going so well that we could do it every day for like our whole job. So we would just do it for eight hours. Right. I don't think people would want to listen to us for eight hours. Probably no offense. Not. No, I agree. You know, there's something about me for eight hours. <laughs> there's something about the predictability of having it once a week. Um, and yeah, we we can tweak the show and refine it, but what they're saying is don't redesign, refine. Right. Well, and I guess like there's something about market saturation with that too. Because like Yes. You know, if everybody has it, then nobody's buying it anymore. So it's the same thing with like a podcast all day, every day. People are going to stop listening because they're like, okay. I've well, because they have other things to do in their lives too. Yeah. Exactly. But I think I think this is an interesting thought process because I've been – there's some things in Harrelson Press that are changing pretty significantly in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yes, because, you know, I've had a baby now and so my life looks a little bit different. But also because – You know, we've been at this two years and after two years, there's some re-examination of, okay, what do we want to do? For instance, the writing retreat that we're talking about doing. Yeah. Which is a big new and different thing, but, um, but it's not like we're doing writing retreat all year long, which would be. Well, and it's something that we're adding to try out for a specific time period and doing an investment you know, and we're not saying, okay, you're not going to do editing. I'm not going to do publishing anymore, but we're going to do this right. for this one time. Right. And see, and what see our, how it goes. And see what our fan base, customer base wants and what they need and how to, yeah. Basically, this is, listeners, if you decide to come with us, this is going to be the beta run of the writing retreat. So you'll get to help us, um, like, decide if we're going to do it again and decide what features we keep and what things we change. Um, So it's, I don't know, I find the beta process to be pretty exciting. Um, Yes. But but it is nice to get things established as well, so. But I think another thing that we, uh, you know, until this point, we couldn't really do this, number one, because we hadn't been podcasting together and talking about things together. Number two, you and I both had to have some experience presenting at other conferences in order to, you know, kind of develop our understanding of our expertise and kind of where our niche is in this marketing uh, world we call publishing. Yes. Right. So, so what is it that we can offer to the conversation that is really useful and helpful based on feedback that we're getting at these other places where we meet people in this industry? Exactly. And now that we have had some of those experiences, you know, joining forces to do a writing retreat where you get good quality, Uh, professional development as a writer, but you also get some retreat time to actually write makes good sense. Makes sense to me. It's good. It's a good time. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, and it's important to not like try to, um, change too many things at once. I think that was one of the things you were, you were saying that your podcast was indicating you can't just change the whole menu, but you can like add a right. couple things and take a couple things away and just see how it goes. Um, and then tweak it and figure out what to do next. And this is something that we talk about all the time mm-hmm. in our business. You know, we're constantly evaluating and reevaluating and saying, okay, what is successful? What isn't successful? And for me, I'm looking at a lot of the conferences that I've attended and the sales that we've gotten from those conferences and realizing that those, some of those are completely not worth it. Right. Because not only do you not make money, which is pretty typical when you go to a conference, but I'm not making connections enough to justify the investment. Right. Well, and I mean, it's one of those things that you can't always know beforehand. Sometimes you can. and Absolutely. Sometimes, you like, have to try. Once you've been to a few, you know, conferences and you've got that experience from it, then you can more accurately look at a lineup and say, you know, this is going to be great and I can tell what I'm going to get out of this. Or you can say, you know, I'm just really not going to meet anybody that is going to be especially useful to me at this event, you know, event, um, or I'm not going to make the sales that I need to make to make up the cost for the booth or whatever. Um, so Mm -hmm. you, you can, you can tell, but sometimes you can't tell until after you've done it a few times anyway. So it's kind of like fail better thing, right? Where you like, if you have all successful experiences, then that's great and keep having successful experiences, but sometimes failing can teach you things that you need to know um, just like even better than having just good experiences. And I think it's also recognized that the world is changing. So, you know, we had been really successful at some teaching conferences, but the way teaching conferences have changed is that people aren't coming to buy anymore. They're coming to look, but they're not actually buying at the conferences. They buy when a, now when an author comes to the school, okay, well we need to shift, you know, what we're doing to actually go to the schools and not go to the conferences. Right. Exactly. And so it's monitoring the marketing, the market and the audience that you're working with. So if you, are selling more ebooks than print books, then you need to concentrate your marketing on your ebooks. Yep, exactly. Even if you want to be a print author and you want to do author signings and all this stuff, you need to concentrate where your audience is and work on that. I agree. You know, speaking of ebooks, do we want to transition? Sure, you have to lead that though. What do you think? The article that, but you were the one that sent that article, weren't you? Or was I? No, I was the one that I can't remember now. Oh my gosh. Anyways, there was an article about ebooks. I feel like you were the one that sent that article out. And then I was the one that commented on it. Yep. Yep. Why I'm giving up ebooks in 2016. That was the name of the article. Yeah. I'm just finding it again now too. Forgive my typing. I'm going to send it to you that way. I send it to you again. Um, oh, I got it. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that just just a tiny bit too because I was I was intrigued by it. This whole giving up ebooks thing. 
Um, and I wanted to know what our listeners think. So like, I hope that you will comment or email us and tell us what you think um, about eBooks and about your experience as a reader with eBooks um, and whether or not you find that your reading experience is enhanced by eBooks or whether you find that it's um, inhibited by eBooks. Um, because this guy's so, article, yeah. oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so this guy is a leadership development guy. Okay. So he's just, it's just a post that I ran across um, that was linked, I think in Book Riot. Mm -hmm. But of course, you know, he's trying to get uh, clicks and those kinds of things. But he, so he is, his statement is why I'm giving up ebooks in 2016. Mm -hmm. And then he has all the reasons. And that's all well and good. Um, but the only reason that really resonated with me, and I said this, I think, in email to you, um, was that whole idea of ebooks are out of sight and out of mind. Um, because mm -hmm. I find that that's entirely true for me. Um, and that my Kindle, my Kindle gets neglected a lot. Um, and when I look at the reading list that I have on my Kindle, I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many books. And then, you know, I'll see an author campaign or something. Um, and be like, oh, look, there's a new interesting book and click on it to buy it. And then I've just added one more book to my pile on my Kindle. And so like, it's just kind but of, but you do this in your house too. I know you well, do. Yes, I do. But, um, I but do too. Those books call to me differently than like my, than the books that are on my Kindle. And I don't know if it's just because I can't see the shelf. So like when I'm deciding on a book to read, I look at my bookshelf. I don't necessarily look at my Kindle. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think it's definitely a different experience. But what I'm finding is that the books that I've procured through Kindle Unlimited, I know we have different things, but when they're free, mm -hmm. that's, that's when I read on my Kindle because they're oh, free. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I have books that I've gotten for free um, on my Kindle, and they still are just, like, sitting there waiting for me to read them. So, I don't know. I don't know. The Out of Sight, Out of Mind one was really, it was, it just resonated with me more than, like, some of the other um, issues that he had with, like, you know, to a certain extent, like I said before as well, like, holding a book in your hand. Yes. I appreciate that. You know, uh, flipping the pages. I appreciate that. Um, not having to like turn the thing back on when I like, sometimes I run, that was a problem that I run into that I find irritating is that like, I'll be reading a book and Noah will decide, you know, we're going to go somewhere. And so he'll say, okay, are we ready to go? Yes, we're ready to go. I turn off my Kindle and then like something happens and he's like, oh, you know, I need to like tie my shoes or go to the bathroom or do this thing real quick. And I can't just like, if it's a physical book, I just pick it up, open it up and start reading again. But with a Kindle, then I have to like turn it back on and wait for it to warm up and um, not warm up, but you know, like boot up. Cause I was going to say, you need to invest in a new Kindle. If your Kindle has to warm up, <laughs> I have a Kindle fire. So it's, you know, it has to boot up and then I have to go back into the book and everything. And it just is such a, a pain compared to an actual physical book that like, I just, well, 
with it. I will say I agree with you on the Kindle Fire. The Kindle Paperwhite is beautiful, though. Really? You just swipe, and there you are, right where your book is. Okay. I'll have to look into that. But, yeah, we um, Sam got me a Kindle Fire, and I never used it. Mm-hmm. And my Kindle Paperwhite, I use a lot. Well, so, like, I got the Kindle Fire when I decided to get it. I got it um, because... I, um, because I was going into New York city three times a week. Um, yeah. and so I would read on the train, but then I also had like Wi-Fi access, you mm-hmm. know? And so I could use my Kindle as a computer point wherever I happened to be, which was useful to me. So. And I wonder if that's why you don't use it because it has kind of a work connotation attached to it. And I don't know because, you know, that's the thing about the experience is that there's a tactile experience that kind of throws people sometimes. But there's also the idea that if you're reading on your on your iPad through the Kindle app, like you use your iPad for other things. So the distraction kind of reasoning that he was putting in there, you know, so where do you use your Kindle? I think is another thing. Right. Or do you that's, use the Kindle app? That's possible. Although I was thinking I might have more luck with um, reading if I use the Kindle app on my phone um, instead yeah. of, you know, on the Kindle, which could be interesting. I'm, I might have to give that a try um, and see how it goes. Now that I have the, the iPhone 6 and, yes, you know, it'll work as opposed to the iPhone 4, which was not tiny supported anymore and it was tiny yeah so i don't know i just um i feel like ebooks like we're in that transitional period it's kind of like we're in the transitional period with publishing too so like it's bumpy right now and everybody has questions and everybody's arguing about what's the right way to do it and what's the best way to do it and you know all that kind of stuff but um but that's well and transitional periods do (laughs) So. Yeah. And I'll say for me, like how I was using my Kindle app is I was using it for my textbooks for school right. and then also for professional development reading books. And so if I wasn't in the mood for those two things, then I wasn't using my Kindle. Right. Now that I've downloaded books that are actually for enjoyment, I read it a lot more, you know? Yeah, that's true. The other thing that was inhibiting people for a long time is that on Goodreads, you couldn't give your updates, but now you can give the page number and the percentage that you've done. Right, exactly. And Goodreads links directly into the Kindle app now. That's useful. And so, so on at least on my Kindle now, because it has the Goodreads integration, it'll tell me when a book is on sale that's on my to-read list. Mm, that's nice. Yes, it's really nice. So I've read like three books that I haven't been able to find at the bookstore or I've looked up at the library and I have to request it and I don't do that like I should <laughs> so yeah I guess like it teaches us about what we're motivated to read as well so mm-hmm. that, and that's interesting like to know you know how far are you going to carry this like if you have to um, if you have to a spend money on it or b like you know request it from the library and go through the whole you know process to get it like what what do you value what's important to you so yeah absolutely so speaking of all this reading what are you reading so right now um i just finished reading glamour and glass by mary robinette kowal you finished Um, it i finished it this morning actually and i thoroughly enjoyed it um it was 
everything it professed to be, which was a Jane Austen-esque um, story with magic in it. Um, and so I liked the rules of the magic and I liked the characters. Um, I thought it was an interesting plot, um, highly enjoyable. So now I have moved on to Insurgent by Veronica Roth. Woohoo! So I'm hoping that is going to go pretty quickly. Um, yeah, you'll finish it this weekend. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that too, though, because then I want to see the movie. Which Did we ever figure out which movie is out right now? No, I haven't figured it out either because I haven't even seen the end of the Hunger Games movies. <laughs> it looks like Insurgent came out in March. So yeah, that sounds right. Sorry, I'm just checking because I think that means that Allegiant is the one that they're doing the um, um, what's it called? The previews for right now because it's coming out in 2016. Oh, yeah. So. I think that was the one that part of it was filmed in Atlanta. I'm sure. And that, like, we saw from a distance the filming. Nice. Which I think is funny. I mean, I guess more stuff is being filmed in, like, North Carolina and Atlanta and stuff like that now than, than ever was before. But I lived in Los Angeles for a while. So, like, you get over the, look, they're filming a movie thing <laughs> yeah. really quick. You're kind of like, okay, they're filming a movie, which means I have to drive 25 minutes out of the way to get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so they feel they filmed Hunger Games in Western North Carolina, and so like my cousin's an extra in some of the movies, you know, and that it living in South Carolina that didn't happen, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty cool too. So I finished uh, Yes Please by Amy Poehler, and it, it's just good. It's wonderful, and then I've now started All the Light We Cannot See. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so it won the Pulitzer Prize, and it's wonderful. Nice. Wonderful. So I have to be a little bit careful. I need to stop reading it during the day, you know, so I can work and feed my child and just wait till nighttime. (laughs) To be absorbed by it completely. Or the snowstorm that's apparently coming, you know. Right, yeah. Well, if we get snowed in, then that's a perfect excuse to just curl up with the rest of that Oh, that sounds so lovely. It's raining here, so that's also a good It's just rain here, though, but it's cold. Yeah. And being in Colombia, we're not really used to cold in the winter. (laughs) So if people want to talk to you about e-books or about um, dialogue tags or argue with (laughs) you about these things, where could they find you? You can find me on the web at www.writingrefinery.com. You can also find me on Facebook, um, Pinterest, Goodreads, Twitter. I'm also at Writing Refinery. Just look me up um, and come come tell me what you think. Yeah, and if you want to talk to me, I'm at harrelsonpress.com, at harrelsonpress on Twitter, and harrelsonpress on Facebook. If it's snowing where you are or cold, keep reading. Yes. And keep Keep thinking. And keep saying. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You get it. You get it. I get it. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I guess that's it for today. I think it is. All right. Bye.